Dear precious Heavenly Father, oh, give him praise on this morning. Lord God, we thank you for this moment, this sacred moment that you have brought us to. We want to thank you that your spirit is already in the room. And Father God, we want to thank you that you've brought us to this time and we pray that someone will be lifted by your word on today. We want to thank you so much for bringing us here that you are faithful. And Father God, we know that somebody needs to hear from you. That someone here is dealing with something and they've come to this place to hear from you. They don't need me getting in the way of that word. So, Father God, I pray that you would use me on this morning, that they will not see me, but that they will see you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And he never will, he never will. Oh, let's give the Lord another praise on this morning. Please turn with me to Proverbs 3, verse 5. And while you're doing that, I want to praise the Lord for the presence of Judge Greg and Sister Linda Mathis in the house of the Lord on today. Let's praise the Lord for them. Amen. Proverbs 3, verses 5 reads, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now turn with me also to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Where it reads, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, redeeming the moment. Because the days are evil, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearing, reading, and living out of his word. Let's give the Lord another praise as we are seated on today. Now, I'd like to talk today about defining moments. More specifically, your defining moment which is the title of our time today, Your Defining Moment. Now, the dictionary explains a defining moment as a point at which the essential nature or character of a person, group, etc., is revealed or identified. It can be called the critical juncture the crossroads, the crucial or decisive moment. 
in theological circles, it's called a kairos moment, which is defined as the right critical or opportune moment, a moment in time when everything lines up and you are at the point to where you have to make a decision, a decision that will dictate the course of everything that happens afterwards. It is of the most crucial importance because it represents a moment, a situation or a circumstance that occurs that depending on your reaction or response to that moment can change the trajectory of your life. It can be when we move from being a child to a teenager. It can be the day that we get married or have our first child. A defining moment might be when you graduate from high school or college. It might be during the death of a loved one. It can be looked at as a moment in our lives when something so significant happened that it affected who we were going to be and how we saw the world from that moment on. Good or bad, they reveal who you really are on the inside. Now, on the other hand, we are faced with defining moments every day of our lives. Now, they exist on a smaller scale in this second context, but they are still very critical. They are moments that present us with choices that either take us higher in life, or lower. They either bring us closer to God, closer to who we could be, or they pull us further away from him, from our potential and our destiny. But we face defining moments every day. In this context, defining moments are those seemingly insignificant occurrences that happen throughout our day. You can be walking down the street and find yourself smack dab in the middle of a defining moment. You could be surfing the internet, scrolling down your Instagram or TikTok feed and find yourself in a defining moment. They start in your thoughts. They seem to be insignificant, but the direction of your whole life hangs in the balance. You might think I'm being a little extreme with that last one, but think about it. If you add enough of those little moments together, you'll have a pattern, which soon turns into a habit which soon turns into a lifestyle which dictates the direction of your life. And it all started with a seemingly insignificant and harmless little moment. And this is crucial because it lets us sleep at night. It gives us inner happiness. If you know that who you are on the inside 
doesn't match up with who you are showing yourself to be on the outside, then there's what we call cognitive dissonance. Everyone say cognitive dissonance. And you're not comfortable in your own skin. These are the kinds of moments that define us to ourselves, and they are often never noticed or paid attention to by others, but they're very telling. They can be as seemingly insignificant as the way someone treats the ushers or the security guards or the visitors here at West Angeles. Some of y'all didn't know that you were in the middle of a defining moment this morning. Or the way that you treat your waiter or waitress. Anytime we're being served, whether it's at a restaurant or department store or at Starbucks, the way we treat those who serve us speak loudly about our character. Amen. Any interaction with others, especially our spouses and our family, is a defining moment. It shows who we are at that moment. When we're tired and grumpy and want nothing more than to get home, eat dinner, watch a movie, and fall asleep, how do we respond to minor inconveniences? That one's for me because sometimes I be tired, y'all. Do we burst into a mind-numbing road rage when someone cuts us off in traffic? Or do we lose our temper under, over some trivial incident? Who left that door open over there? Who didn't pick up their shoes right here? Ah! At that moment in our minds, it's all about us. Or can we, in that moment, get out of ourselves and see the world from a more realistic perspective? There are, however, defining moments that we can control and that we can even initiate these moments. You don't have to wait for them to happen. There are times of training, times of study, and preparation. Every time you decide to work out or push the plate away is a defining moment. Every time you choose to pray and fast is a defining moment that you control. Those things you do when you think nobody is watching. These especially are defining moments or moments that define you. And they, too, affect and set the trajectory of your life. Now, defining moments are not always just moments. They're not just events or a group of seconds in which something is happening to us. Sometimes defining moments are periods of time in our lives. Sometimes defining moments come in the form of years. Sometimes defining moments are whole seasons in our lives. We call them, we'll call them defining seasons. 
It's that period in your life when you don't know what God is up to. You seem to be in a, a holding pattern and what you do during that defining season can change everything. For example, when God told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a baby, he was 75 years old. But it wasn't until Abraham was 100 years old, 25 years later, before he and Sarah finally had Isaac, the child of promise. That entire 25-year season of waiting was a defining moment. During that defining season, decisions were made that affected their lives from that day forward. Sometime during that period, they decided that they needed to take matters into their own hands. You may know the story. Sarah had her maidservant Hagar sleep with her husband Abraham, and she gave him a son named Ishmael. Eventually, all Hades broke loose in that house. Their sons Ishmael and Isaac had issues all of their lives. Their children and their descendants still don't get along to this day. Just take a look in the Middle East. You'll see what I'm talking about. Because of a decision that was made during their defining season. Joseph after being sold into slavery by his brothers, faced defining moments while in his defining season. After he was sold into slavery by his brothers and bought by an Egyptian nobleman named Potiphar, he soon caught the eye of Potiphar's wife, a woman of dubious character who decided that she was going to seduce young Joseph while her husband Potiphar was away from home one day. He had a choice to make, Joseph. Either take Potiphar's wife up on her offer thinking to make the best of his situation or do the right thing. I mean, why not? He was hated by his brothers even to the point of them wanting to murder him but they sold him into slavery. Instead, why not make the most of his situation and take a little something for himself? He found himself in a defining moment. Well, he did the right thing and ended up getting framed for a crime that he didn't commit and sent to prison, which was also a defining moment. But instead of sinking deeper into depression because he was hated by his brothers and then sold into slavery and then framed and sent to prison for a crime he didn't per commit, he decided not to let his situation get him down. In his defining season and moment, he kept his head up high. He said, hallelujah, anyhow. Hmm. He kept a bright outlook and soon he ended up running the jail that he was a prisoner in. 
And before Brother Joseph was through, Joseph ended up being the second most powerful man in the Egyptian empire. He saved his people. Oh, let's give the Lord praise. <laughs> Esther. Esther was a young local Hebrew country girl that ended up, against all odds, ended up being married to the king of Persia. She was living a very privileged life in the lap of luxury. She had everything that she needed, but one day she found out about a plot to kill all of the children of Israel by a man named Haman, an enemy of her people. Esther had a choice to make. She could either act like she didn't know anything about the plot against her people while she lived in the lap of luxury, or she could do something about it by approaching her husband, the king, without permission, which could possibly get her executed on the spot. Because you only went before the king when he called you. And his previous wife caught the bad end of that deal. She was in a defining moment. But as she decided to go to her husband, the king, she said to her attendants, if I perish, I perish. But I'm still going to talk to him. In her defining moment, she saved her people. There was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As young men, they were taken to the court of King Nebuchadnezzar when King Nebuchadnezzar conquered Israel. They would take the best of and the most educated of the young people. One day, King Nebuchadnezzar had a 90-foot golden statue of himself constructed, and at a preordained time, everyone in the kingdom had to bow down to the statue or they would be put in a fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a choice to make. Either bow down to a statue or die a painful death by fire. It was a defining moment. When they faced King Nebuchadnezzar, they said, our God is more than able to save us. But even if he doesn't, think about that. Even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to your statue. That was their defining moment. And God brought them through the fire with not one hair on their head being singed. Their friend Daniel went through the same thing. And in his defining moment, he stood up for what he knew to be right. And under God's protection, he slept in a den of lions, unharmed and in peace. Let's give the Lord praise. <laughs> Your defining moment. Let's go to the New Testament. We can talk about Brother Joseph. One of Joseph's defining moments was when Mary, his fiance, his betrothed, told him that she was pregnant and that the daddy was the Holy Ghost. Now, my brothers, my brothers, my brothers, my brothers, 
what would you do? Your fiance goes on a trip. She comes home and she says she's pregnant and the daddy is the Holy Ghost. Okay, y'all must not really be thinking this out. (laughs) He had a choice to make. You see, if he had been wrapped up in himself and didn't believe that she was in fact impregnated by the Holy Ghost, then he could have decided to break off their engagement. And it sounds simple enough from our perspective, but if he had done that, young Mary would have been considered a harlot and she and her unborn child would have been stoned to death. They would have killed her. He was in a defining moment. So what did he do? He took her away from the crowds and covered her. He protected her. Amen. That's something for all the brothers that we need to know. We need to cover our wives, our sisters, our mothers. We need to protect them. That's a little sidebar free of charge right there. But because he followed the unction of the Holy Spirit in his defining moment, all of mankind has an opportunity to have salvation. Let's give the Lord praise. Mm. Now, there's also some accounts in the Bible where the people didn't do so good with the defining moments that they found themselves in. Pharaoh, when told by Moses to let the children of Israel be free from slavery, Moses makes his first appeal to him, let my people go. Moses then has a contest with Pharaoh's magicians. Staffs were thrown down, turned into serpents. Moses' serpent ate up his magician's Serpents. That should have been the first hit. Pharaoh was shown the signs. Pharaoh had a choice to make. Do I let these people go free so they can worship their God in peace? Or do I keep them under the boot of oppression and slavery? It was his defining moment. He decided unwisely. And after that, the plagues came and the people of Egypt paid dearly for his hardened heart. There was Pontius Pilate when Jesus was brought before him on trumped up charges. After he heard the case that he was being presented with, he knew that Jesus was innocent of their accusations. He had a choice to make. Do I set this man free because he's committed no crime or do I let him be executed to appease a mob and avoid a riot that would make me look bad in front of Caesar? It was his defining moment. He chose the easy way out. Instead of doing the right thing, he ended up washing his hands of the matter and sent an innocent man to the cross. 
Now, all things did work out for the good of those that love the Lord, but he still made a wrong choice in his defining moment. There was that first generation of the children of Israel that left Egypt. They finally got to the border of the promised land and got the report from the 12 spies that the people of Canaan were giant and fearsome. They had a choice to make. They could either move forward in the promise that they were given from their God who had protected and sustained them since they left Egypt, or they could decide to stay where they were, paralyzed with fear. It was their defining moment. And their decision affected their destiny. They died in the desert. West Angeles, we have a choice to make. God has brought us so far from where we used to be. He has shown us so much of his power. There has been so much that has changed, so much that God still wants to do through us. God has done so much through this man right here. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. That sounds kind of weak. Hallelujah. Because he said, yes, we're sitting in this beautiful building. But now, But now, beloved, now it is time for us to show him what we've learned. It is time for us to show our Heavenly Father what we've learned. We have a choice to make, West Angeles. Are we going to let all that God has done through this man stop right here? Or are we going to build on the foundation that has been laid by our Heavenly Father and those that came before us and go higher and higher and higher? We are in the middle of our defining moment. Give the Lord praise if you're ready to go higher on today. Hallelujah. Let me get back into it. Now, this next group is my favorite group. David is one of my favorites because he had so many defining moments. As a young shepherd, when he saw one of his sheep getting taken by a lion, he found himself in a defining moment. He had a choice to make. Should he risk his life and fight the lion for the lamb, or should he just chalk it up as a loss? Oh, well. He ran the lion down and killed it and saved the lamb. Did the same thing with a bear soon after when faced with the same situation. They were defining moments. 
when he went to visit his brothers on the battlefield and he heard Goliath, the Philistine giant, taunting the men of Israel, he found himself in a defining moment. He rose to the challenge and it changed the trajectory of his life. And later when he was being haunted by the same king that he loved and served, he had a chance to take the king's life while the king was in a very compromising position. It was a defining moment. Here he had the same man that was trying to kill him in his clutches. He was right there. Saul's life was his to take. It was a defining moment. Thou shalt not touch the Lord's anointed, is what he whispered to his men, and then he let them go. It was his defining moment. When his and his men's families were kidnapped in a raid by the Amalekites, he had a choice to make. Either he could lie there crying and depressed or he could do something. He found himself in yet another defining moment. This is what he did. In that moment, David strengthened himself in the Lord. Amen. And then he prayed to the Lord about what he was to do and God gave him back all that he had lost and then some. Hallelujah. In your defining moment, never forget to acknowledge him in all thy ways. Y'all see what I did there? But David wasn't perfect. Like all of us, he handled a couple of his defining moments very badly. Years later, when he was king, he looked down from his palace balcony one day and found himself in a defining moment. Hey, how you doing? He saw his friend's wife Bathsheba bathing on a rooftop and found himself in a defining moment. And he made a choice that pulled him down. Then after he found out she was pregnant, he made another choice that pulled him down even deeper in the pit by having her husband killed. However, the most important defining moment was when after realizing what he had done, he begged God for forgiveness and prayed for God to give him a clean heart. Amen. How many of you know that the right decision in one defining moment can wash away the bad of some of the other defining moments? Peter. Peter was another person that found himself in some very interesting defining moments. Because he and the other disciples thought that Jesus was going to establish some kind of earthly kingdom, he spent a lot of time talking big about how he was ready to die for and with Jesus. He had seen all of the miracles. He had seen Jesus raise the dead. 
Heal the sick. Feed the masses. Cast out demons. He just knew that Jesus was on the road to greatness and dominion and he was going to be right there when it happened. But Jesus got arrested and the trial started. And Brother Peter began to realize that what he thought was going to happen wasn't going to happen. And then someone in the crowd recognized him and called him out three different times. Peter had a choice to make. Either he could act like he didn't know Jesus or he could stand up and admit that he believed that Jesus was the Messiah just like he did not too long ago when Jesus asked, who do men say I am? So Peter knew the answer to the question. He found himself in a defining moment. And he realized in that defining moment that he was not the man that he thought he was. It can be a very humbling experience when you figure out that you are not who you thought you were. But just after the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, he found himself in yet another defining moment. While still under the anointing and hot from the cloven tongue of fire that set upon him, he boldly preached a sermon telling who and what Jesus actually was. He pointed a finger at the very men that had Jesus crucified knowing that it was going to put him in the crosshairs. 5,000 people got saved that day. It was his defining moment. And neither he nor the other disciples flinched when faced with death if they didn't stop preaching the gospel. Each one of them had bad defining moments and good defining moments. And like these individuals in the Bible, we've all had some defining moments. And like some of these individuals in the Bible, we have not always made the best use of those defining moments. Like David and Peter, we've not always been who we should have been in those defining moments. Not always been our best selves. Give the Lord praise if you're not afraid to admit that. I'll be the first. But it's important to remember that we are not defined by our defeats, beloved. We are not defined by our defeats. We are defined by how we respond to our defeats. How we respond can make us conquerors or cowards. Each defeat or our realization of that defeat is a defining moment. Most of the time when we fail in those moments is because at that moment we're too wrapped up in our own 
desires, fears, or we're too wrapped up in whatever may be, we may be going through. At that moment, we're thinking that the world is revolving around us. Every once in a moment, we'll have a sense of entitlement and that we deserve to feel the way that we feel at that moment. We feel that we deserve to feel this way. Beloved, there have been defining moments that I would give almost anything to go back to. There's more than a few now that I think about it. I wish I could go back to those moments so I could make the right choice or say the right thing or not do what I did or say what I said. I think of how much time has been wasted as a result of a bad decision I may have made in a past defining moment. If I had known that I was in the middle of a defining moment, I would have been more mindful. I would have prayed more. I would have consulted with the Holy Spirit about how I should have responded. I would have paid more attention, more attention to those around me, more attention to the pain that they might have been going through or the pain that I myself might have caused them. But before I let regret pull me down too far, I have to remember to thank God for his grace. I thank God that his mercy is new every morning. Before I start crying about the time that has passed, that passed by that I can't get back, I have to remember that our God is a God of grace and forgiveness. In Isaiah 43 and 25, it says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Hallelujah. Our Heavenly Father is saying that if we confess our sins, those times that we fail to be our best selves when faced with either a large defining moment or a small invisible defining moment, if we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive us. How many of you know that we serve a God of a second and a third and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth, and a seventh chance. And so on, and so on, and so on. How do I know? Because I'm still standing right here. Over and over and over again, I have let him down. But he is still faithful. He is still faithful. Give him praise if you know that he's faithful. Even in the middle of our biggest failures and moments of weakness, God has been there to bring us through. And even our biggest mistakes can be used by God 
to bring about his glory and his plan for our lives. All things happen for the good of those that love the Lord. Even your mess can become your message. Now, beloved, our challenge now, my friends, is to never let a defining moment pass by without recognizing that in that moment, God is giving us an opportunity, an opportunity to let his spirit reveal himself more in our lives and in our actions, to live mindfully and understand that each moment is a blessing and an opportunity to be our highest selves. A defining moment. Your defining moment. It mustn't be taken lightly. It takes courage to face yourself and admit that you are afraid, angry, or acting selfish at that moment. We must always be on guard when we are faced with a defining moment. We should always be in a mind of prayerful, critical self-reflection because it takes courage to admit even to ourselves that sometimes we are acting in a sense of entitlement. But again, thank God for his grace. Hallelujah. There's somebody that I almost forgot about. I don't see how because he's the most important example. Our Savior was faced with the most intense defining moments, both small and large, that we can imagine. Jesus. We like to think of when he was tempted at the mountain as being his major defining moment, but he was fully aware that he was constantly in the middle of a defining moment. When he decided to let himself be baptized by John the Baptist, he was in the middle of a defining moment. When the people that he fed with the fish and the loaves were trying to crown him king, that was a defining moment. When Mary washed his feet and dried it with her hair, that was definitely a defining moment. In the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will but Thy will be done. Defining moment. Calvary was the preeminent defining moment. He could have called legions of angels to punish those that were tormenting him and nailing him to the cross. But the salvation of all mankind hung in the balance. He laid his life down so that we could live. Because of what he did in his defining moments, all the failures and defeats of our wasted moments disappear. I love that poem that Brother Courtney Vance recited just a few weeks ago. It's my favorite poem. The one by Benjamin Mays, it says, I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it. But it's up to me to use it. 
I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute. But eternity is in it. Everyone standing right now. Hallelujah.